Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler, joined today by Eric Pincus over from, uh, he's a lead writer for covering the Lakers for Bleacher Report, uh, co-host of Hollywood Hoops Podcast, and is a cap expert extraordinaire in general, just a good way to put it. I've learned a lot of the cap from him and, and his writing and, and his speakings uh, over at B-Ball Insiders and NBA TV as well. Eric, how are you doing today, man? I'm not too bad. I'm enjoying the playoffs from a distance. I'm in L.A., uh, it's a little bittersweet because I've been to, uh, the last five finals. I've been to every LA based finals, which, uh, has just been Lakers. Clippers haven't gotten there, uh, <laughs> since 2000, really. So it's been a little bittersweet not being there in person, but I am definitely enjoying that the bubble's working and we're getting some basketball. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. I, uh, I was pretty on record when, when everything started up, uh, that I was very pessimistic about the bubble working out. And, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised every step of the way with how things have gone down. Um, I mean, first of all, just coming out right out the gates, what are your thoughts on the finals right now? Obviously yesterday was a little different. I, I fell asleep at the end of game one. Uh, I watched game two the next, like the day after, because I just haven't been uh, as in tune with it because it's, you know, uh, with Bam and, and Gorn out, I didn't think it was going to be much of a series, but now it is just completely changed after last night. Well, uh, I, AD in foul trouble, I think was really the ultimate core of that. Um, mm-hmm. the Lakers, uh, were terrible to start with. Um, I mean, a ridiculous amount of turnovers. They just weren't ready for, they played like a team that wanted to win and the Heat played like a team that needed to win, which yeah. is what it usually is the case in, in a game three. Uh, especially when it's 2-0, that's what you're going to get. I mean, unless the, it's such a, a mismatch that the other the team can sleepwalk, Heat are so good. I mean, they really are a tremendous team, uh, even without Bam, even without Drogic. Uh, they're extremely well coached. Uh, they were able to go to a small ball kind of lineup where, I don't know if small ball is right, but, you know, Olenek, he's roughly seven feet tall, you know, in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a shooter. Leonard is a shooter. Uh, and that kind of negated the value of Dwight Howard and, and, uh, they just, uh, the Lakers have one defensive weakness and that's at the wing position. And it's not against uh, a wing like Harden because he's more of a point guard. Uh, but it, it's, and it's not against a, like a Jamal Murray, uh, who is again a point guard, but he's, you know, you, you could argue kind of a wing. Uh, but it's against the bigger wings like, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. That's why the Clippers were more of a threat to the Lakers based on matchups. And then you look at Jimmy Butler and he, he fits into that. Uh, they, they, the Lakers got lucky in their matchups. They didn't have to face it in Denver, Houston, um, or Portland. Uh, so that weakness hasn't been exposed. And this is the first time it really was. I mean, Jimmy's been there the first couple of games. So you'd say, well, you know, where was that? Uh, but AD getting in foul trouble. Um, they took it right to LeBron. They did a lot of, um, forced a lot of switches so that, um, and that's, that's how you do it, especially in the playoffs. You pick on KCP, you pick on Kuzma, you pick on Danny Green. None of these guys are great at bigger, stronger guys, at guarding bigger, stronger guys. They're really good at guarding quicker guys and staying with them and chasing them and making them just take 
difficult shots and you might have great shot makers make great shots like Murray and Dame or even Harden. But over the course of a seven game series, that's not really going to do it. But a power wing like Jimmy is a little bit tougher, but I, I don't think that, I don't think that he'd have enough. Uh, but we saw at least a crack in the Lakers armor and that's really where they need to attack uh, Miami. That is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think speaking on quicker wings and just the way that, that they're defended, I think KCP has been fantastic on Duncan Robinson in this series. Uh, I can't say totally negated him, but he's been a big part of trying to take him out of the offense. And um, I mean, as we saw yesterday, I mean, I think it got a little bit over highlighted, but LeBron uh, gave up a couple of those easy ones to, to Jimmy, which was, you know, huge down the stretch, but largely I'm still, I'm very much a Lakers in five person right now. I could see six, right. but uh, I'd be pretty surprised if it went another way, just based on how everything's going. But we'll see. Um, so obviously, this is a Pacers podcast. I, I always try and, and keep it a little bit relevant to what's going on outside. But uh, right away, I want to ask you. And normally, uh, people outside of Indiana have very different perspectives than people inside of Indiana. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But uh, what are your thoughts, just kind of on? Uh, the state of the Pacers roster right now and, and where they're headed into into the offseason. Well, the Pacers are sort of at an interesting crossroads uh, because and, and I've had a chance to talk to uh, their their front office, but not since maybe December. So obviously a, a lot could have changed in the last 10 plus months and uh you know, I just I, my understanding of who this team is uh, from a front office is that they won't tank. They don't have permission from ownership to to tank. So uh, they're also not a team that's enabled. They're not able to go into the tax. So there's a, a kind of a range where most teams that you know, when they have to go through the rebuilding process, they just stink it up, get a lot of picks. And then from those picks, either you get the players or you make trades with those picks, similar to what you know, the Mavericks did. They, they didn't really tank. That's kind of where the Pacers are, right? They're kind of in that, except I think that Mavericks might be a little bit more willing to go into the tax. Yeah. Um, so when the Pacers get to where they've gotten, which is, you know, they, they use their resources to acquire Brogdon. Uh, they have two bigs. They, they use the Paul George trade to get two really good players in Oladipo. Uh, and Sabonis won most recently an all-star in Sabonis. So there's, um, I mean, there's obviously what the Sixers did and what, you know, like the Kings and all these other teams have tried to do with just tanking. Uh, and even to a degree, the Lakers kind of did that. And the Lakers took their young players and turned those into AD. That's not really the Pacers because they're, they're unlikely to get a ton. Like you got a good pick with Justin Holiday. You got some other good picks, but you know, TJ Leaf was an adequate pick at the time, but hasn't really developed into a, a, a trade asset or a, a valuable rotation player. So these are the kind of, it's that kind of middle ground that's very challenging for this team because it, you know, Indiana is not a market that is on the beach, uh, like the Lakers, like the Miami Heat. Uh, it, it may not be a top free agent destination where you're just going to get like the LeBrons are going to, or the AD is going to force him, his way to Indiana. We haven't really seen that. Uh, and so, you know, there are some disadvantages. There are other advantages to being in, in Indiana. And what I like is they've always stayed competitive. They've got a good reputation as a team that's always going to fight. Obviously, the coaching switchover was a little, uns you know, 
interesting. We can get to that. Um, but the roster itself is, you know, they, they've got a lot of good players. I think the key to this team is because they won't go into the tax because they're not going to have a ton of lottery picks is finding ways to add good players on long-term deals. And if that's not through free agency, that's going to be through trade, which is what they did obviously with Brogdon, although that was a sign in trade. Uh, what they did with Warren was, you know, genius. To, to, they gave up nothing to get a, a really good scorer. Uh, and then they also, uh, you know, get draft, get trading for Sabonis and then giving the extension. Uh, and I'll just throw in one last thing is that, you know, there's that Sabonis, uh, Turner front court, which some people think around the league they should break up or whatever, but you're paying one max for those two guys. They're both 18, 18 and a half million dollars. So they're, you know, the, the Pacers have to be that team that finds a way to get those value players at those value dollars. And that kind of brings us to where we are now, which is some of those choices may be difficult looming ahead. Yeah, most definitely. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think um, I really like what you said about about value picks. And I, I always talk about with with looking at the Pacers, it's, it's about winning on the margins, because like you mentioned, this team is the, the talk is always, well, maybe Herb Simon will go into the tax if and that's that's a big if because it's never happened in my lifetime. I think the last time. Uh, was when Jermaine O'Neal was the best player on the team. So I was like seven years right. old. So it's been a minute. And I don't um, think it's going to happen. And the tax was different back then, I believe. So the tax was a dollar for dollar back then, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Uh, so it's more progressive now. So if you're over by seven, that's not a $7 million penalty. That's a greater penalty. So whatever they did then, I flat out don't think they'll do right now. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I, I don't even think the team's necessarily in a place right now, maybe barring off season moves, uh, but they're not really in a place to pay the tax quite yet. And, um, like you mentioned with, with Sabonis and Old Depot coming in off the of Paul George rage, uh, Paul George trade and, you know, TJ Warren. Um, I mean, that's how the Pacers have always had to do it. Like acquiring Jermaine o- O'Neal after trading Dill Davis. I mean, Jermaine was a young player who hadn't gotten a breakthrough with Portland. Um, you draft Danny Granger. Uh, late in the first because he has major injury concerns and obviously those come to fruition later on but after he's had a couple of good seasons so looking right. at doing things like that and uh, i mean obviously the pacers from just from talking former players they they really love the training staff and so the pacers always tend to take uh gambles on on more injury risk players um you know and looking at speaking on injury risk players um victor oladipo is is kind of hinging the the off season a little bit for, well, not a little bit, like pretty much completely for a lot Indiana. Of it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it. It's a, it's a big, it's a big thing. It's uh so I talked about it. It's crazy the way things will unfold. I don't know how you felt about um, with just the NBA and COVID. It's felt like this year has been like a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was probably two weeks after um, the season got put on hiatus. I did a podcast with Jeff Siegel talking about the salary cap and, and where it might be headed. And now it, and looking at Victor's deal came out, uh, the, the deal that was offered to him last summer. Uh, that's when it leaked, um, I think, early in April. And we talked about that. I think it was four for 84. So it's just just under the deal that he's making right now. And we talked about that potentially being, I mean, not potentially, like definitely being an undersell at that point. Um, after the bubble, um, I think it, it definitely brings into question a little bit more how much you would be willing to pay him. And I think that's where the major impasse is at right now. And I, I kind of wonder your thoughts on a, how Vic looked in the bubble and um, just from your insight and what you think of him. And 
then also we can get into that after, you know, looking at what, what you would do in terms of how you would, would spend money towards Vic or what you would do with him in general as a front office. Right. It's a tough one. Uh, it's a tough one on a few levels. So for one, how did he play? I think teams that would be interested in Oladipo and free agency are going to consider that he wasn't ready to play, wasn't going to play in the bubble, played in the bubble because if he didn't play, he would have lost his money. And so the reason he played in the bubble and the reason why he wasn't at the same level is because he probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. It was, he still wasn't himself yet, still recovering. And yes, it's a concern that he's not healthy, but we saw Paul George got traded, you know, the Clippers traded for Paul George with shoulder surgery on both shoulders. Um, they, they went and signed Kawhi off of knowing that he has some injury stuff. You know, there's a lot of the Raptors made their moves knowing that Kawhi missed almost the whole season. There's a, a tendency for teams to, uh, some teams will be risk adverse and won't touch Oladipo, won't touch anybody who they think won't be able to play. But you have 30 teams, so I think you'll find at least four or five are going to be in the we think we can get Oladipo healthy department. And just like you mentioned, the Heat, uh, ha- rather, sorry, just like you mentioned, the Pacers have a, a history of going after guys because they believe in their training staff and their, um, their ability to rehab players and get them healthy. Maybe that works for their confidence in Oladipo. Maybe it doesn't, but there are going to be other teams that are similar. I, I mentioned the Heat by mistake, just slipped out uh, off the tongue, but they're definitely a team that could be in, in the market for Oladipo as well. So I, there's always there's always a lot of factors. One is like when is is the player free agent? If the player was a free agent right now, it's a different story because only three or four teams have cap room, like the Knicks, the Hawks, maybe the Hornets a little bit, and the Pistons. And the Pistons and the Hornets are probably not teams that should be investing heavily in winning right now. They're sort of in a rebuild. Maybe the Pistons could talk themselves into getting another star for Blake Griffin, but realistically that's not what they should do and teams do what they shouldn't do all the time so you know i don't want to exempt you know good you know there's good sound logic that probably most of the league would agree with and then there's what the team does under pressure and zags when they should zig and then then it doesn't work out and everyone's like what are you doing uh but when we talk about oladipo he's kind of that there's one guy ahead of oladipo in this conversation and that's Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. So either he, he tells the Bucks that he's sticking around long term, or he says, I'm not sure what I want to do, or he says, I don't want to be there. He's in that Paul George situation from back a few years ago. He's in the AD spot from last year where uh, it's my contract's coming to an end. What's What do we do? Oladipo's in that exact same place, right? Obviously, he's going to be the decision of what Giannis does is going to overshadow because the Heat aren't going to go after uh, Oladipo if they can go after Giannis. And I think we'll have an idea in the next few weeks, probably within a week or two after the finals, maybe. Hopefully, we'll get a sense from Giannis what it'll leak out that he told the Bucks this, that, or the other thing. Uh, it, there's three choices really for him. I'm going to take the Supermax and stay, and that changes everything, and that's when it impacts the Pacers more. The other is that uh, I definitely want to leave. I'm not staying. Trade me. That's another one. And the other is kind of I'm not sure what I want to do yet. That's a, a you know maybe down the road we'll, we'll we'll have to see what happens. And that's a very different approach. But all of those kind of whatever those answers are, I view Oladipo as the number two 
behind that. So all those teams like the Heat and maybe the Raptors and, and whoever else is lining up to go after uh, Giannis, at that point, they need to pivot and look at Oladipo. So there's the market, right? So like I said, if it was the market this year, wouldn't be great. But next year, there's a lot of teams that have been lining up to go after Giannis. So there's a lot of teams that have money. And just the natural cycle of four-year deals, three- and four-year deals, every three or four years, a lot of teams have a lot of cap room. So if you think, uh, you know, it's about it's about that time, right? 2016, and then it, by the time you get to 2021, there should be a window. It doesn't line up exactly, but that teams strategically go after guys. And uh, I think Miami is definitely a threat. Uh, but the challenge is because it doesn't matter necessarily what the other teams want if the Pacers and Oladipo can get it on the same page and if they're in the same space, right? If, if he wants to stay and they want to pay him. But one of the challenges is the most that the Pacers can offer uh, Victor in an extension is a, a 20% raise. Uh, you can't just do max extension, which is something you can do on a rookie scale contract. So someone like Ben Simmons coming off of his first contract can get a, a max. And then the number is not set until that year starts. You can't do that with a player unless it's a super max. And I don't think Oladipo is qualifying for super max. He certainly doesn't because he was traded uh, at some point. So it's, it's not an issue. So there is no super max. So there is no way to lock in Oladipo on this long-term max deal. So I've been told by people around the league that expect Oladipo to, to expect the max, right? So I don't know if that's true, but the most the, the Pacers can pay him is about $25 million in that first year. And if he's thinking, I need the max, and he's thinking about $32 million, then you have a rift. And so even if he wanted to stay in Indiana, and even if Indiana was willing to pay that amount, they can't do it ahead of time. They have to wait until the free agent period in 2021. And so you, once a player's a free agent, they could promise you the world, but they could also break those promises and leave. So there's an inherent risk with Indiana that they're facing where they can't lock him down unless he'll take less than the max. And to date, it sounds like that hasn't happened. Obviously, there's no extension. And is he, you know, where are they on the injury? Is he the right guy that they should invest in? And and what if they do invest in him? And what if they are paying, even if it's not the max, in the neighborhood of 30 million? If you're paying him 30, you're paying Brogdon 22, you're paying Turner 18, Warren 13, you're paying Lamb 10 and a half, you're paying Sabonis 18 and a half, and then you've got all your other guys. Very rapidly, we get closer and closer to the tax. And in a pre-COVID world, Maybe the cap would have jumped up to 125 million by then, but there's an expectation that the cap will probably stay flat this year and go from this season at 109.1 to next year. It'll be the same. And then if it starts to climb back up, maybe it'll get up to 115. If, you know, that'd be, I think that'd be lucky. It may, may be flat again. It might be 112. It might be a smaller jump. And if the initial projection was 115 and now it's, or rather 125, and now it's 112, and the tax line is lower with it. Now you're running into the heat, the, the, the Pacers being a tax team, and we've kind of discussed that's a problem. So now you can do it, but now you've got to find a trade for, for Lamb probably. You might have to break up the, the Turner-Sabonis combination. Uh, these kind of issues become significant. And so you have the uncertainty 
That's one factor that you can't lock it in. And maybe you can lock it in if he's willing to take less. But all signs that I've heard is that he's not willing to take less. And if he's not, then you have the risk of losing him for nothing. And look at the results of not letting Paul George go for nothing, right? You got Oladipo and you got Sabonis. So I don't think Indiana being a team that we said probably isn't a free agent destination, they won't have cap room anyway. How do you replace him? So these are these are the factors that that front office have they have to be going through on a, on a, on a daily basis to a degree. I mean, you don't have to talk about it every day, but you have to be aware of like we could lose our be- one of our best players. And since that's the case, you know, can we build that relationship to get him to stay? Can we figure out a path where if he stays that we can afford it while staying under the tax? Or can we find the right deal for him before it's too late? And that's where that trade speculation comes in. And that's where, after Giannis, I think Oladipo is the most sought-after piece in trade. You know, maybe Bradley Beal becomes available. I don't think he will. But maybe in there could be other stars. Chris Paul is, you know, but he's older and expensive. There are other guys who could be traded. But... um I think Oladipo is really high on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, trust me. I've heard all about it. So I, I always get stuff like, you know, DM to me or mentioned to me from, from people uh, that are with other teams that are like, well, what do you think about this deal? I'm like, you know, I'm trying not to think about any deals right now, but um, yeah, it's uh it's interesting, especially, I mean, I don't know if you saw his, he was, he was, it's, it's crazy to say in 2020, he was on an Instagram live show with Fat Joe and that he, he issued a statement saying that he was, he wanted to be a pacer and, and all that. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, it's, I, I don't know, like to you, does this feel at all like the Paul George scenario a little bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the same scenario. Now, it, whether it gets ugly, because I thought the Paul George experience got a little ugly. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of back and forth. And then if you believe the Pacers account, which I pretty much do, uh, it was sort of sprung on them af- like after the draft, I think, where had he Celebrity told them before the draft. game, yeah. Right. So supposedly, and I, like I said, I believe they didn't have the, the 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 draft is probably the draft the trade deadline and the first day of free agency uh in July under normal circumstances are the three biggest trade days of the of the year so you took away from the pacers that option now they recovered well uh and and hopefully they have more insight into the depot but it's guys say that they want to stay and until they don't and all, all that matters is the signature on a contract. That's their word, <laughs> right? And even then, like Paul George just really pushed for a trade out of the, out of Oklahoma City, right? So, you know, even but at least you you know they they uh, the Thunder brought in a you know they killed it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. So you know, getting what they got for uh, Paul George from the Clippers is you know they got a tremendous boon. So, uh. I just I don't if I'm if I'm the Pacers I'm not in a position of of comfort, uh, but I'd be really curious to see what the options are in trade. Now the challenge with that is that just like with Anthony Davis, just with you know with Paul George to a degree with Kawhi, there was some power that those those players had to direct where they were going. Uh, I don't think Paul George intended to go to Oklahoma City. I don't think that uh, Kawhi intended to go to Toronto. But the Raptors were willing to make a deal where they sent out a, a contract they were willing to move out of, which was uh, DeMar DeRozan, who was very expensive 
and they'd hit a ceiling as far as their uh, ability to win. They realized they were always going to be a team that would lose to LeBron or some other team in, in the in the conference finals or whatever. That they weren't really a championship team with De- Demar, uh, and so that risk for them was definitely worth it. So it's possible the Pacers could find another team in that same scenario, but that's hard. It's it's let's say that you know you try to trade him to uh, the Hawks. Uh, the Hawks are one of the few teams with cap room, so you could really do a deal that not only reduces the payroll of the Pacers this next season, which I don't think is a bad thing given the world we live in, and and help them kind of reset. Um, but you might be able to do an uneven trade where maybe you, I don't know if they would do the lottery pick for it. They've got a really nice pick in this draft. Maybe that's too much, but if you can add that pick, if you're Indiana, that's certainly worth discussing, right? What are they? Number two or something like that? I forget where the Hawks are. I have it right here. First round. No, yeah, they're, they're somewhere right around there. Six. They're six, right? So um, that's interesting at least, right? Like if you're the Hawks, and you're offering six and maybe Cam Reddish. Like, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not saying I would do that for either team, but you could at least say if you're the Pacers, you reduce your payroll, you add in the number six pick, and you get a really nice young prospect that you can build around at more or less the same position as Oladipo. That's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that works, though. Unless Oladipo signaling to the Hawks that he's really interested in coming. Yeah. Right. So if they, you know, you could say, Oh, that's perfect. That's you, you get your, you get a young player and you get a draft pick and you already know enough about Reddish to say, okay, maybe they believe in him. Maybe it's not him. Maybe it's Herter. Maybe, you know, there are, there are at least, you know, maybe DeAndre Hunter. Like you could at least make an argument for whatever, whatever the, the, the Hawks and the Pacers found workable. But if Oladipo says to the Hawks, eh, <laughs> I don't want to stay, I, you know, then do they give all that up? Uh, I think teams like the Knicks can certainly make a case because they have a lot of young players and they have a lot of very friendly contracts. Uh, it, to me, that makes a lot of sense uh, in, in, in trade for Indiana because you could, I don't think Julius Randle fits because of the positional duplication. Um, but they have a lot of other guys like um, that are un, you know, unoffensive, inoffensive. Ellington, Peyton, guys, you know, maybe you can get some young players in Nilikina or Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox. But again, that's, it becomes a player evaluation. I'm not in love with anybody on that team as a young prospect. And then the Knicks kind of fell in the draft, which was, um, I don't want to say amusing, but it was at least interesting. Retribution They're number eight. Patrick Ewing. <laughs> But they're they're number eight. So, but may, maybe there's a something to be said for eight and a few young players. And again, you don't. The Knicks could have cap room. Maybe it depends on how they go. Maybe they're over. Maybe they're under. Uh, but there are, you know, Bobby Portis again. Positionally, don't think that's. But you know, look, you can argue. You can argue a lot. You can argue maybe the the Pacers have other moves to make that include breaking up their big men tandem and maybe go and maybe they want a power forward. Um. Again, I don't see Portis as a solution. I think Julius Randle has a lot to offer, but he's kind of a small ball center and not a great shooter. So, like, it depends on how they view player evaluation. Every team has their own uh, opinion, um, but he's around the same money. So, you know, but again, like, if Oladipo doesn't say that to the next, the Knicks that he wants to be there, then it's all moot. So, 
that's that's really the challenge because most of these teams can't they they face the same issue that the Pacers would, which is that if Oladipo is going to get the max, they can't give it to him until he's a free agent. Now Miami, I think, is a team that would be willing to do that, but they don't have any picks whatsoever. So the Pacers aren't getting picks in that deal. Maybe you can get none and maybe Robinson, but there's no like, and you'd probably get Olenek and Igudala maybe, or one of the, you know, they for salary matching, like something built around one of those two, not, not terrible, but um, I don't know if that's uh, compelling. I think Robinson's a really nice player. And I, you know, as far as a shooter, I don't know the solution. Um, I don't know if that, but I know Miami, they're lining up for, uh, Giannis and then they're lining up for Oladipo and they may be patient enough to wait until 2021 when they're free agents so that they can have those young players and, you know, continue, you know, they're in the finals now and add to it when the time comes and not rush it. So these are the kind of, you know, issues. I, I'll, I'll throw one wrinkle before we get to, you know, whatever's next. Um, the Hawks are a rare team. And the Knicks, to a degree where they do have, if they have cap room, they could do something called restructuring or renegotiating a contract, which is a very rare thing in the NBA where they could give Oladipo a raise up to the max for this season. So if they have, for instance, he's at 21. And uh, let's say that the max for him, he'll have seven years of service is, uh, let's say it stays at 30, let's call it 33 million. So, that's an extra, what, $12 million. So if they have an additional $12 million in cap room, they can actually give him a raise for this coming, well, it'd be next season, right? So this coming season and extend him. And so the extension would have some limitations, but it wouldn't be, it would, it would basically be like signing him to a max deal now. Uh, and there's some real benefit in that. I'd have to look at the timing of it and there might be some issues, but given that we've got such a long clock, where we don't even know when next season starts, it might yeah. be um, might be very doable. Um, the Knicks and the Hawks, as teams with cap room, might be able to circumvent this big issue that the extension it can only be twenty percent, one hundred twenty percent raise. They at least have the means, but again, that's on Oladipo if he doesn't want to do those things. Although you could certainly argue where if he can get a raise right, right now, that kind of money right now, that could be appealing. Uh, Atlanta is a nice city. They've got a nice young core, but they haven't been winning. And the Knicks are great in terms of market, but they've had a terrible um, track record. And they do have new management, but they're unproven. So I don't know how uh, proactive Oladipo is in his career and what he wants. I know that more and more players are more and more proactive about what they want and making sure they're in the right situation. In, in in all aspects, I don't know where he's at with any of these teams, and that's where uh, the power lies is within what does Victor Oladipo want, and then what does that, how does that match with what other teams are willing to give up, and what does that match with what the Pacers are willing to do? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I mean, he's come out directly and said that all he wants to do is win, and I that's it's kind of like player PR speak a little bit. That's how it feels to me. I mean, I think yeah. I don't I don't think you're ever going to hear a player say that they don't want to win, right? Um, and I don't have anything against Victor. I think he's handled some things a little bit poorly um, in terms of how this offseason has gone. But, you know, largely, um, it's just I think what it comes down to for me is whether or not you can it, see. It's interesting because I was talking to someone about this. Uh, 
I mean, you can look at it in terms of what you get back from a, a trade if you do trade him or trying to play him out through the next year and just trying to rekindle that relationship like you mentioned. Um, but then it also comes back to uh, even if you are able to, uh, are you willing to offer that max contract? Because it's pretty clear that that's, that's what, what he feels like he deserves and that's his prerogative. And I think that there he's shown flashes of being a max player when he is healthy, but it's been, I mean, two years since we've seen him at that level. So I think a lot of it just comes back to do you, how do you outweigh, um, you know, signing someone to a max deal that might go awry after a year or two, or that could look bad on your books eventually. Um, and, you know, trying to figure out how, how you, how you maneuver that. Yeah. It's, it's, I, you know, it's why they, why it's a difficult job. <laughs> exactly. The manager of this team. Uh, there's not as much power in it as the fans or the media might ascribe to them, right? Like you are, if you're running the Pacers, you're limited to what the ownership is willing to do. You're at the whim of the players. You're restricted to the, the rules of the collective bargaining agreement. I, I personally think there's a flaw in the, in the, in the document itself that like you should be able to give your own players a max extension. Like why is that limitation there? Uh, like the, the Jazz should have been able to give Gordon Hayward a max extension if he was willing to take it. If he wasn't, then he could go to free agency and leave for Boston. But at least if you want to protect these smaller market teams, they should have the ability to, to keep their homegrown players. And while Oladipo isn't their draft pick, that's, you know, it's, that's, I guess you could argue the issue with, uh, well, I mean, Paul George might have been super max eligible. So I think that was a little different. There was some debate as to whether, and it sounds like he was willing to leave whether it was more or less money or whatever, but Oladipo might, he might be willing, if you can give him 30, whatever million now and lock him in, he might be fine with that because he has had some injuries. You know, it's, it's, I don't, I, again, it's very personal, but again, the GM or the whoever's running the team, they're subjective, subjected to what that player wants and what they, what, um, what other teams will do. You know, there's what year there's, what year this matters, you know, like the, like we talked about briefly, is that there's not a lot of cap room this summer, so um, that could be a negative or it could be a positive. It, it maybe it's you know maybe they get more because of it. You know maybe because there's no cap, not as much cap room. There are fewer options uh, in trade, or maybe you know maybe he's more willing to go to free agency because there are more teams with cap room in 2021. If this was shifted a year, he might be more willing to take money now. Like if he's a free agent right now. And if he's looking at basically it's the Knicks or the Hawks or staying with the Pacers, he might be more willing, you know, who knows? You know. So these are these are difficult questions. But I think underneath it all is like, again, what if he wants to stay and what if they do pay him? And then you run into the the issue that can they even afford to. Right? Like if they're a tax team, now, okay, fine. You decide to pay Oladipo and you're probably paying Brogdon and keeping him. So does that mean Lamb, the way Warren was playing, you can't move him, right? If he's your starting four or maybe three, but let's say you're four next to one of the two bigs, be it, let's say, Sabonis, and now you're shopping Turner. So if you are trimming out Turner and Lamb, that's about almost $30 million almost, right? Mm-hmm. How much how much salary are you getting back if you invest in Oladipo and then you're trading those guys? You, the contracts you're getting back have to be lower dollar and they have to be like for instance if you're trading I'll just, you know the draft the 
the guys like uh, Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, um, who are extension eligible, uh, not like Brandon Ingram, who is uh, a free agent or restricted free agent in the summer, the ones who can get an extension before next season, who would be restricted free agents the next year. Those are all dangerous when you're the, the Pacers because uh, they're going to want to be paid. And so if you trade for them and they're four or five or six or seven, eight million dollars a year right now, they could end up being 15 to 20 million or maybe they think they're max players too. And so you don't want to trade for somebody who is on the cusp of getting an extension unless, unless they're someone who you believe you have a good, you've had a, enough of a communication with their agent and you have an, an understanding of where they're at with money. Like some guys are not going to be anywhere close to max. And so, you know, these are like the, to me, getting a, a lottery pick in this draft, if there were, if they could get, if, if it would put them in the range of getting two or three guys that they felt they could build around now and could be a part of their future for a long term who are more or less sure bets, great. Otherwise, maybe guys who are rookies right now who are finishing their rookie year um, would be the best guys who put in a good rookie season, but maybe their team is looking to win now and maybe is more willing to. But again, we get limited by the places that Oladipo would go. Mm-hmm. So you don't have like this menu of like, oh, I want this, that, or the other thing. That list could be just of feasible teams could get down to five really quick. And then if it's like you get to five and it's like, well, they don't have exactly the right package and it doesn't work, right? That, that list sometimes shrinks down to one or two. By the time the Lakers were going after AD, they were the only team going after They were the only team going after him. They should have had a whole lot more leverage. And should have gotten a better deal than what they actually got, but they also had the pressure from uh, like LeBron and Rich Paul and Clutch, uh, who's LeBron's agent, uh, of saying this has to happen. So David Griffin took advantage of that, but without that, they the Lakers probably get that deal done without giving up uh, as many picks as they did. So you know, it's easy to talk about that and say uh, you know they overpaid when they're about potentially to win a title. They'd probably make that trade over and over again. Um, but it's it's kind of like illustrates the issue. It's all, it's all about the the talent. Uh, rather, it's all about the it's all about the big puzzle of what's available, when it's available, and you don't have as GM if you're Pritchard or if you're Buchanan or you don't have the say. You don't you you, you can't control what happens. You can only, you have to make a choice out of a list of available options, and none of them may be what, really what you want. Yeah, exactly. I think that's an awesome point because you look at like, especially looking at the AD sweepstakes, which that feels like forever ago, but that was literally just last summer, which is crazy to think about. I mean, Boston probably had the best package available, but AD's agent came out and said that he wasn't interested in playing. He wouldn't resign if he went to Boston. Um, so that automatically t- took them out of the equation. And like you're mentioning with uh, the Lakers being kind of the only suitor at that point. I mean, yeah, that's so it's going to be crazy because I we have no idea what this offseason is going to be like because um, I think there's ideas that maybe there will be more trades. Maybe the obviously it's not a great free agency class uh, by normal standards. And so you the wherever the, the trade market and everything is going to be at is so it, it's dependent on a lot of things that happen. So that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, Victor's marketability and everything with that as well will be totally just a kind of a day by day thing. It feels like, um, so that's a really great point. Um, before I get you out of here, I think if, if I can get you 
Well, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but if you had to give Vic a contract right now, what is the walkway number for you? Well, I mean, that's if you're the Pacers, that's a tricky one, mm-hmm. right? Because like I said, if you're, if you're worried about the tax and if you can't go over the tax, you better have some real concrete plans of what you can do next. Uh, I think he's a really good player. I think he's better than what he showed in the bubble. Definitely. Um, um, but I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I don't know if there's a set number that they can walk away from, right? Like $20 million a year is an, I mean, that'd be great for an all-star level player. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. He's like a, a good starter makes 12 to 15 million. Mm-hmm. Like a, a decent starter, a non all star starter. Uh, all these young guys with potential are like the Buddy Heels and whatnot are getting, you know, he's a little overpaid, are in the mid 20s. But Oladipo's better than Buddy Heel. I mean, maybe he's not as good of a, a pure shooter, but he's a better overall basketball player. So, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think there's an answer. I think it's like if you are investing in Oladipo, you need to be prepared that he wants the max. If you can get him below the max, great. If you understand that he's the max and you decide to keep him, you need a really strong plan on how you build a roster that's below the tax that can still win where you're paying like $60 million basically for Oladipo and, and Brogdon or in that neighborhood of $60 million. That's not an easy thing to do. And you've got a good head start where you've got Sabonis at about 18 and a half. 19 million in that range. So, you know, and then Warren is going to be up at some point, but it's, it's a while till he's up, not until 2022, land the same. So, you know, there's some real flexibility here. There's, if Oladipo wants to stay, you can make it work. Um, but you have to know that he wants to stay and you have to trust that when he says, I want to stay, that he's not going to pull a Paul George on you. And, you know, if 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 you ask me, what do I think will happen? I think ultimately they're going to have to trade him. I really think Oladipo being traded is is the right answer. Uh, I think this is a team that needs a really good return for him. But just like with with uh, Turner, they, they need to make good acquisitions, right? Get the right players back who are not max guys who are going to outperform their dollar value and who are on multiple year contracts. Uh, that's an, an easy thing to say. Um, they have to draft really well if they get draft assets back. Uh, like I said, I like, um, I like holiday. Uh, Aaron holiday is a nice young player. Uh, they've done for the most part pretty well, but it's not like they've got like some great draft pick that's running the, you know, like where's that, young star and a lot of that is because they aren't tanking that they're not getting you know utah got donovan mitchell but you know how hard that is to get someone uh, you know outside of the lottery like that it happens and there's always like the marcus alls or the rudy gobert's or the draymond green's guys in the second round but like realistically you get one or two shots a year at those kind of guys and the odds of actually finding them are not how you build the team you just can't count on that happening uh so you know, what they've done turner is obviously the best pick that they've got that has developed. Um, but they've gotten the heart of their team via trade. Sabonis and Oladipo, Warren, right? Like 
that that's really how they have to do it. So with that in mind, the Oladipo trade becomes that next step into whatever the Pacers are in whatever their next iteration is. Yeah, most definitely. I think I've kind of gotten to that point too. And I think what's been most interesting in, 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 in this, in, in our conversation, just looking at everything in general and, and everything that I've learned over the last couple of months, I think not just not to like belittle fans, but I think there is an idea among, among fans that uh, trades are not that they're easy, but that there's, they're always even or something like that, you know? Um, and I think in going through SBC, which is where I met you through, um, I, I don't, I don't really think that there's ever really necessarily an even trade. I mean, there's always, um, it's always going to be very like, it's not like 2k, like a a deal doesn't just pop up and you're like, Oh, okay. I like that one. There's not a deal from all 30 teams. There's a deal from four or five, like you mentioned. So I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what happens with Vic and and where Kevin Pritchard in the front office goes. Um, but I agree that it's probably going to end up coming to a trade, uh, whether that's in the off season or, or sometime before the trade deadline. But uh, it'll no doubt it's going to be a crazy couple of months for people in Indiana. Yep. I, I, I would say that this, this, like I said, this is to me at this point, the number two or number three topic, it depends what you think of Chris Paul, right? Like which players get traded. And we may find that like, you know, the, the thunder put Russell Westbrook or something crazy on the block. Or like I said, I mentioned Bradley Beal. I don't think he becomes available, but you know, let's say someone big, but right now, if you were to line up the the list of names, um, but the way I do it is you look at guys who are about, you know, in this, in this spot where they've got one more year, um, like Spencer Didmity in, in Brooklyn is in a similar boat uh, where he can opt. He has a player option. Same kind of thing as, as, uh, as Victor Oladipo, where I mean, the option is a material. It's like they could be a free agent in 2021. Anyone who can be that free agent unrestricted that year, now's the time where if you wait till the deadline, it's hard to make trades at the deadline because now we have to add in the uh, ability to match salary, uh, which is more strict during the year because in the offseason, teams have cap room and you can get multi. It's, it's a lot harder to do a multi team trade. And sometimes a multi-team trade is absolutely needed to make, you know, to make a, a big money player move. You might need another party in there to help make the numbers work. Uh, or if, if you need a team with cap room to step in and take on, if you look at all the moves that the Pelicans made with like Solomon Hill bouncing around and, uh, like the Hawks with like, they got Chandler Parsons and they got, they had Solomon Hill for a minute. I'm pretty sure, you know, it, it happened so quickly. It, though that, that's, a lot easier with cap room. And then there's also the issue of roster space where you can go up to 20 players in the off season. You can only go up to 15, not including two ways, but they're not usually a factor in this. They don't count in trades as far as dollars. So if you need to match salaries, that can be a lot harder. And then you're also that much closer to the end of his contract. So um, you may be less likely for a team to say, okay, we're going to throw everything in to get Oladipo. When they, he doesn't get a training camp, he's got to join a team midstream. And unless that team wins a title, which is usually very rare, then their journey is probably going to end in defeat. Everybody ends in defeat, but one team every year. So if you trade for him, great. But when your loss comes in the playoffs, is everybody blaming everybody? Or, you know, like the Nuggets weren't like that. They, they were like thrilled when they they were unhappy that their playoffs ended. But that's really rare when you have a team that's like, we killed it in the playoffs. Most teams have what the Clippers have right now, which is that there's like, whose fault is it? We fired the coach. Does everyone trust Paul George at this point after he kind of 
was a no-show. Like that's what you're facing if you trade for Oladipo at the deadline. At least if you trade it, trade for him now, you you at least can start building that up early enough and you have more flexibility. So to me, this is an off-season move. Uh, it should be looked at closely at the draft because to me, getting young pieces who are inexpensive really works for the Pacers who, even without Oladipo, have a lot invested in guys like you know Turner Warren, Brogdon, Sabonis. And the other topic we haven't really touched on is like, should they look to move Turner or look to move Sabonis? And that's a whole another another question. I know that you know, talking to the Pacers in December, some of their people, there was no interest in breaking up their duo and they believed in it. Uh, and it's kind of similar idea to what the Lakers are doing where a lot of teams are going small. There's an advantage to going big. And if you can do it successfully and especially defensively, you could be a special team. We didn't get to see that proven because Sabonis was out. Uh, and if they still believe that, then there's no reason to break that up. But they have a new coach coming in. We don't know who that is. Maybe they have a different philosophy. I know that Kevin Pritchard is part of the same group of uh, executives uh, with Mike D'Antoni. Their work, uh, their their agent is Warren Lagari, uh, and there's a a kinship there. And so, given that I thought D'Antoni was going to Philly and he's not, maybe the Pacers are a backstop for him. And if so, I don't see them that you know D'Antoni wanting to coach two bigs, Sabonis and Turner, I could see them wanting to move one of those guys out. And so that could be a pathway too. So if you add that to the equation and then you say, well, maybe you're trading both of them together. Now that changes the equation entirely. Cause if a team can get Turner and Oladipo together, now that's a whole different animal. So these are, these are the kind of, you know, topics that the Pacers have to mull over really seriously and make some really difficult choices on. But uh, like I said, it's, it's it's almost never a list of uh, like a menu where you get to pick what you want, a la carte or whatever. It's usually like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Can we substitute that? No. <laughs> well, I guess I'll take, you know, sometimes it's it's a list of bad choices. And what they did for Paul, to getting back Paul George for to get back what they got at the time didn't look great. And they didn't get any picks. Uh, but I thought... You know, in retrospect, just like you, you look at the Lakers getting Pau Gasol back in the day, uh, that was just lambasted and people were furious with Memphis for making that move. And then they had a franchise player and made, had their best run in, in franchise history because of Mark Gasol, who they got in that trade. And Pau had left the Lakers at some point and basically retired and was nowhere nearly as good as his brother over the last five years. So yeah, it helped the Lakers get to two titles. Um, and I'm sure guys like Greg Popovich don't look back at that and say, Oh, it's okay. He was one of the, you know, the speaker, the people who spoke out against it. And maybe that for him, no, even though that they got Gasol, Marcus Gasol and had their greatest run. Not every team's going to win a title, but Memphis has, uh, had great success because of that trade. And at the time it looked like they had completely screwed it up. So, and, and, uh, it's amazing at how quickly the trade turned from uh, the Thunder uh, being like, oh, they totally took advantage of Indiana to now the Thunder are trading Paul George. And now that that move, they, now that the Pacers have 
Oladipo and Sabonis. And, but now, now look at what the, the Clippers, how poorly that went. And you're looking at all the picks that the Thunder have. And the Thunder basically were almost as good as the Clippers in the standings. You know, not quite, but they weren't that far off. And yeah. you're like, looking back on that, you're like, you know, so the, the perception of each of those things has shifted over time. So in the moment, you might like say, I can't believe they traded Oladipo for this, that, and the other thing. And then you find out like in two, three years that it was the best move they ever made or the worst. You just don't know. Or it might, your opinion of best or worst might change in a matter of months. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that goes for so many of the Pacers trades, like trading Jermaine O'Neal to the Raptors. You get Roy Hibbert back and it takes a while for him to develop, but then he's a huge part of the Pacers run to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then he also becomes a huge part of them not making it back to the Eastern Conference Finals, but that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're totally right in, in, in saying that on trades and for what it's worth on, on Turner, from what I've heard internally, um, he does not expect to be in a Pacers jersey next year. I've gotten that. I don't know if you know Jay Michael. He writes for the Indy Star, yep. um, but he's one. Yeah, he's he, that's that's what he told me personally on my pod a little bit ago. So it's uh, not looking like he will be around next year. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be that's, interesting. It's a whole nother wrinkle because if you're trading both together, that changes things. Not every team can afford that kind of salary, but that changes that could change the equation. But again, Oladipo is going to have a say in that, but you're talking about taking on 39 million in salary. That's not an easy thing for most teams. Um, the Knicks, however, you know, they have plenty of room. It's just, I don't know if they have enough to offer, but they just based on their ability to make a deal might be the better team to make a deal. You might be able to get Taj Gibson back and other solid players. But again, uh, I don't know. It, it would be that's a player evaluation thing, and what you think of guys like Dennis Smith, or rather, what the front office thinks of Dennis Smith, Kevin Knox. Uh, I don't know if you get R.J. Barrett, but at least he's at least a, a higher level prospect. It'll be interesting. I look forward to seeing how the Pacers handle this for sure. Most definitely. Well, Eric, uh, before I get you out of here, um, are you working on anything that you want people to know about, and where can people find you at? Uh, well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Eric. Pincus, P-I-N-C-U-S, E-R-I-C, P-I-N-C-U-S. Uh, hit me up with uh, a mention, say hi, ask a question. I'm happy to respond. I do my best to uh, reply as long as it's not like right in the middle of craziness when uh, I get, when there's actually something that goes down in the NBA, I usually get hit by a ton of questions. But the rest of the time, it's pretty easy for me to reply. Uh, you can find my work at Basketball Insiders. That's where I have a lot of, uh, interesting stuff about each team and their salary cap and their salaries. Uh, I'm usually the first to publish player salaries each year, although we don't know when free agency will be. Uh, you can force find, uh, find me a bleach report. I do uh, not only Lakers, but been doing a lot of national stuff there as well. So I think I have something coming up on the Celtics in theory. And I think I actually do mention the Pacers in that piece. I have to check and re- if I remember, but uh, uh, spoiler alert, I think, think you can make an argument to get Gordon Hayward back in Indiana. That's where he's from. If you're getting the right pieces back from the Celtics. So just a thought, maybe a few picks, just an interesting idea. Um, he at least can fill that void positionally for Oladipo. And I don't think would be as expensive long-term, although you never know. Uh, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I do plan on doing some YouTube stuff coming up, uh, but that's not set in stone just yet. Uh, where I kind of teach uh, some of how I look at the salary cap, 
work on team pages and, 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 uh, break things down and maybe help, uh, answer questions and do it that way. So nothing set in stone, but as the finals start to wind down, that's probably what we're going to have a long time potentially without basketball. So I've got to find a way to keep the uh, audience going. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I agree, man. I'm not ready for it. We're having a, I think today and tomorrow is our first two day stretch without basketball in a while. So it's going to be, wow. it's going to be different. Um, but to everyone listening at home, uh, please be sure to rate and review on Apple podcast, uh, subscribe anywhere else you can get your podcast, read us at Indy cornrows and, uh, be sure to follow all of Eric's work. And if you're not already following him on Twitter, be sure to do that as well. Eric, thank you again. I appreciate it, man. And you have a good rest of your day. All right, Mark. Thanks for having me.